What I tell women now, you got this job truly because of the strengths and qualities that you have. You should capitalize on those strengths and capitalize on your differences because there's so many great qualities that women bring to the policing profession. It's time once again to learn from the past and explore the future. Welcome to the Leadership Frontiers podcast with your hosts, Tara O'Brien and myself, Ron Duren Jr., In compelling discussions, we'll dig deep into leadership topics within business, education, nonprofits, the public sector, social justice, and wherever we may find it. This is brought to you by the University of Colorado Boulder's Center for Leadership. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to another episode. We are very excited about our guest today. Doreen Jokerist is the chief of police at the University of Colorado Boulder's police department. She currently leads a department of 90 employees, in fact, where she's implemented innovative and community-based policing strategies, some of which we're going to talk about today. Prior to her appointment, she served as the police commander in the Denver Metro Suburb Police Department. She holds a master's degree in psychology, a bachelor's degree in criminal justice, and she has successfully completed quite a few police courses to include the FBI's National Academy. We're very excited to welcome Doreen to the show today. So we can tell you have a incredible and very unique background um, from our intro here. And then I will get into that a little bit more, but how did you come to be the chief of police at CU Boulder? That's the big question. How'd you get here? Well, thank you very much for that question. I think for me, my two worlds collided at the right time. And so I have been in municipal policing for approximately 20 years, but at that same time, I was teaching undergraduate and graduate classes at Colorado Technical University. And so I definitely had a passion for policing, but I also had a love of learning. And so when I started researching chiefs of police job openings and what that looked like, I talked to my husband and said, there's currently a job opening up at CU Boulder. What do you think of that? And he goes, Doreen, I think that is an amazing opportunity. These are two things you you really enjoy. He's like, you're a forever student. You like teaching and educating and you like learning as well. And so that's what I did. I took the leap of faith and I put my application in and was very humbled when I was selected to be the chief of police here. And after three years, I can tell you, I'm still as happy as the first day I walked in. And I'm very grateful and humble that I'm able to serve our campus community. And we're starting off with a good leadership lesson already, right? So two worlds collide. You know, one of the quotes that I love is uh, by Seneca, luck is when preparation meets opportunity, right? And so you didn't know this is the turn your life was going to take and you were you're prepared to seize that opportunity. I, I like to talk to my students a lot about that, that we don't, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's coming, but how can you prepare yourself for what might be coming? So in this journey... You started uh, at, you were, you were policing in, in Parker, Colorado. Is that right? That is correct. Absolutely. So I started with the Parker Police Department and their police cadet explorer program at the age of 14. And so I knew from a very uh, young age, I wanted to be in the policing profession. 
I got into the policing profession, my whys of really truly why I do this is I wanted to speak for the victims that do not have a voice and I wanted to leave the community better than I found it. And I wanted to bring forth that positive change. And so at the age of 14, I joined their cadet program. And at the age of 20, I went into the police academy and was able to be selected at the age of 21 to be a police officer. And I worked there for nearly 20 years uh, before I was selected for the chiefs of police position up here. And so I knew policing was a calling for me. Um, it's truly more than just a profession and a job. It is something that I've wanted to do for quite some time. And my whys still hold true as a chief today. Wow, we um, we we speak with a lot of women in the military, and uh, and I also at the age of twenty went into uniform with the U U.S. Air Force. What was it like at at twenty for you going into very similar as the military, a very male dominated organization, and a really tough one? I would say for parts of it, it was actually extremely challenging. Um, being in a male-dominated field, and especially at some, such a young age, I don't think I really truly found myself, and I was trying really hard to fit in. And when I speak nationally to women in the policing profession, right now, 12.6% of police officers are women. So it's a very low percentage. At CUPD, we're higher than the national average. We're right around 15%. So not as high as what I would like it to be, but we are higher nationally. But it was extremely challenging. And what I tell women now and what I wish I would have done better when I was younger was you got this job truly because of the strengths and qualities in that you have and not try to fit in with what the norm or what you perceive the norm to be. Um, you should capitalize on those strengths and capitalize on your differences because there's so many great qualities that women bring to the policing profession. And it took me a few years to understand that, but over time and probably education and maturity, um, I was able to do that. And so a lot of what I speak to women about now is really just understanding that and truly being yourself as that is what the policing profession truly needs. Mm, I think that's good advice for a lot of industries. It, it's pretty clear talking to you that in your job, leadership is is important to you. and. I'm, I'm really curious, what drove that passion for leadership for you? You know, uh, I am a true uh, fan of reading different leadership books, and I talked about being a forever student. So one of the people uh, that I really like to follow and listen to is a gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek. And he really talks about, it's not about being in charge, it's about taking care of people in your charge. And as I promoted through the police departments, there's definitely a lot of leaders that I aspired to be. And then there's a lot of leaders that I just knew if I ever got the opportunity to be promoted to that position, I would have handled things differently. And so I try and be the leader I wish I had in a number of those cases. And so I think it was really just trying to push the needle forward when it comes to policing and truly make a positive difference, both with the community and with the policing profession that drove my, drove my passion. And I'm definitely in someone that didn't fit the norm, especially in the nineties when I got hired on. Um, but now I really capitalize on those differences and try to really bring an inclusive culture and environment where everybody matters within our police department, regardless of rank, tenure, status, position. It does not matter to me full-time or part-time. Everybody has a suggestion to make something better it's going to be heard and listened to, and we're going to see if that we can incorporate it. 
Incredible. Um, I, we have so many questions for you. This could go in so many different directions, but I want to get a little bit of clarity. Uh, Ron and I were talking about it before you hopped on. Can you kind of educate us a little bit? You're the chief of police for the CU Boulder campus. What does that mean? How does it integrate with the outside community versus inside the campus versus um, the police departments in Boulder itself? How does all of that work? What's the infrastructure there? So it's definitely um, different than being a municipal police officer and municipal chief. Uh, being a campus chief and uh, being a chief at the university, I definitely wear a lot of hats. And I have a community that consists of students, faculty, and staff. We have affiliates and unaffiliates that tour our beautiful campus. And sometimes uh, what is requested of the police department is always not the same thing from one group to the next of how they're wanting to see things or what that looks like. And so for me, it's a delicate balance. I was brought in as the chief of police to run an organization, and I've been truly blessed to be able to work with a lot of great staff that have moved the needle forward and really instituted a lot of great change. At the same time, I'm here to support the community in which my oath of office is here to uphold and to do things to ensure a safe environment for all that visit our beautiful university. And so for me, the biggest challenges are sometimes not all community members line up with what they request. And reversely, the police department does not do a very good job nationally with educating or being transparent on why police do a certain thing. And so I, I walk through and look at these things and try to be as transparent as possible on why we do certain things um, so that everybody understands what that looks like moving forward and then can provide even more suggestions and ways to improve. Gosh, we could use that in so many organizations today, the transparency, yeah. yeah. Wow. So and it makes me think that transparency is, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a way to build trust with the community. And let's be honest, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Right now, police officers are not really, there's a lot of the segment of the population that is not, is not looking at police officers as somebody that, that we can trust. And so how do you build that not only in your department, but also with the community? So that's a really great question. Um, we are here to serve the community. So it's not my police department, it's your police department. And I really believe when Sir Robert Peel said, the community are the police and the police are the community. So without the trust from the community, we will never engage in open, honest and transparent communication. I need to be able to hear the concerns and suggestions and be able to answer those questions and ensure that not only me, but all the officers I hire on are upholding the oath of office that they swore to protect. So in order to do this, and you know, to part your question, I have to hold myself accountable and my staff accountable, and I need to be transparent. And so I look at a couple different things. I look at as accountability as one to build trust. I think of transparency as another piece. And then the final piece is really community engagement because all those things have to be woven together in order for this to work. And absent any of those in community engagement, then people tend to draw conclusions on what they think is happening or not happening. So the more that we can grow together, really the police and the community, the more we can grow internally and externally, the better off we are, because we are definitely better together than we are apart. I'm gonna ask you based on that answer, how can people on campus help 
the CU Police Department? What help do you need from students, faculty, or staff, or understanding or collaboration? The help I would truly love to see is that when they hear something favorable or unfavorable or have a question, maybe they heard something happen on campus that they're not sure about, instead of just drawing conclusions or maybe reaching out to social media to share information that could be false or misleading information that causes public alarm, reach out to the police department and say, I heard this may have happened or did this happen? It helps me, number one, know what questions people have, where misinformation may be, and where I can do a better job communicating with our campus community on items occurring. And a lot of times it's misinformation, so it never makes it to me, but assumptions and falsities are growing out of that. And so the more I know, the more I can correct information, share information, or be transparent with exactly what is going on. And so absent that, it makes my job extremely challenging because people draw conclusions on these and they might not even be accurate to begin with. Mm, I, you know, I have the most basic random question, which is how do we contact your department? I mean, it's not a 911 call, is it? <laughs> that is right. So definitely not a 911 call unless it constitutes an emergency. But we do have a main number that people can reach out to. We are on all social media platforms uh, as well. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And so there's many ways that you can contact via email, phone, or through social media to ask any questions uh, that someone may have. So that that's a really good question. Thank you. And you know, this idea of misinformation, this is this is not just a a you know an issue with policing, but in society in general, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Uh, is there anything you would add to what you already said of how do we get better at this? Is it just a matter of opening the lines of communication is as simple as that or is there more to it? Yeah, I think there's a lot more to it. I think policing, um, us as police officers need to be more engaging. A number of times when we walk by, people don't know, should we engage, should we say hi? So I always talk to my staff and say, please get out of your cars, walk the campus, bike the campus, walk the buildings, engage, say hi to somebody, see if they need anything. We are here as a resource and at the end of the day, I want people to run to us for help and not run away. So anything I can do to bridge those gaps, bridge those divides, and work together with our community, I will ensure that our police department does that. Mm. You're talking about uh, kind of shaping the culture uh, internally and also working on employee development, really. So how do you personally go about doing that with your staff? How are you working on uh, career development and kind of shaping the culture that you're talking about there? So historically, a policing culture has not always been the best. I am working very hard and my staff is working very hard to create a culture that is safe and secure for all of those that work in it because I truly believe hurt people hurt people. So what I mean by that is if I yell at my staff, I berate my staff, I do something, and the culture inside our police department is toxic and negative, then why would I be shocked that when my staff and my officers go out into the community, they're toxic and negative and they exude that. So for me, it starts internally. And you have to create an environment that's inclusive, where everybody matters, and everybody has an opinion and suggestions and feels comfortable being able to share that. Once that culture is good, 
and it's run and it's always scratching at the surface. It's not just one and done, right? It constantly needs to build and create that. And you do that through communication, transparency, open lines of uh, officers and staff being able to come and ask the chief questions that they might not understand. Then I think that exudes people going out into our community and interacting with our students, faculty and staff and doing those same, same things. How can I support you? What can I do to help you out? What can I do during your time, during your crisis to make something better? And so I think it truly starts with having a safe and secure and inclusive environment and culture within your own organization. It's, it's something that I, that I talk to my students about. This goes beyond just policing, right? I, I say as, as a leader, if you send your people home grumpy, what do you think that does? I mean, what's the ripple effects of that? I mean, it's, if they go home and maybe they, they, you know, light into their significant other or whatever. So this idea of, of being a good leader is, is a lot bigger than just what you do in, in your eight hour shift. So I appreciate that you say that. Um, so you mentioned earlier, and, and I may be getting this wrong, but I think you said that you have about 15% female officers. And so let's go, you know, let's go into this idea of what are you doing to ramp up diversity, equity, and inclusion in your department? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really great question. So specific to female officers, our department really uh, just here recently signed the 30 by 30 initiative. And that's basically saying, Ron, that by 2030, 30% of my commission staff is going to be female. We changed our recruitment video because, again, you recruit, and I talk to police chiefs about this, how you recruit is what you get. So if you're recruiting SWAT videos all the time, this is what you're going to get. And so our recruitment video is extremely inclusive, and it's now being featured nationally on the 30 by 30 website. Our staff for police officers identify 17% as people of color. And, and that, as we move towards national accreditation, one of the accreditation standard is our police officers should mirror what our community we serve looks like. And so we uh, developed a recruitment plan when I got here. And every year we analyze that recruitment plan and we try to figure out, do we have identified gaps? What can we be doing better? Should we be recruiting at different events? And we try and tweak that every year to try and up our diversity when it comes to our staff because truly you will get better diversity of, uh, of thought within your organization. Um, you will have more people come to you to report certain crimes because it's not lost on me. In order for a police officer to get a call for service, the victim has to speak first. They have to come and say, here's what happened to me and explain that to the police officer. The more we can diversify our staff, the more we will have people do that. And as we talked about building trust, I will not know what's going on in this community or what is happening if I don't have that comfort level from our students, faculty, and staff, and community to be able to divulge and say that information first. And so there's a lot of initiatives that we're moving forward. Our recruitment plan was approved by the Affirmative Action Office at CU Boulder. And we also worked in conjunction with the Associate Vice Chancellor previously to CU Denver, uh, Dr. Brenda Allen, so that we can make sure that we're writing a really good plan and then analyzing it every year to figure out where we can make improvements. I love the way you explain the power and importance of um, inclusion in the sense of, you know, we aren't going to hear from a lot of the voices if we don't have a more diverse staff for people to talk to. I can parallel that into so many different teams, organizations, industries, 
And my question for you is because we have a lot of listeners that um, are, you know, CU alums or are community members, entrepreneurs in the community, business leaders in the community. What advice do you have for them just by your experience, because I love your take on it, on building that better, um, diverse group of people? How, any advice you have for the outside community members listening that are saying, Doreen, we're having the same problem, but I don't know what to do. <laughs> do you have any advice for them? Uh, the advice that I would give is to number one, reach out and see what other, I mean, for me, it's police departments. So I constantly reach out to other police departments. What are you doing? What results are you getting? Is it working? Is it not working? That's one of the first things I do. Secondly, I talk to the, the recruits that were getting into the police department. Where did you hear about us? Where did you also look for other jobs? Um, because then I start analyzing that to figure out where we're missing opportunities when they say, I would have, I looked here, here, and here, and your police department was not there. And so I look at other platforms that we can share different information on. And the last thing I would tell people is I am not an expert in this space. And so I constantly ask questions and I try and educate. And so one of the things I'm probably most proud of is this last summer, I started a doctor of education or an EDD program with CU Denver. And the program is on educational equity and executive leadership at higher ed. Because what I realized very quickly is I may know a lot about policing profession and leadership within that, but I do not know a lot about educational equity and executive leadership. And so I would challenge people to be forever students and to learn and to grow so that they can make better and more informed decisions in their leadership positions that they occupy. Words of wisdom, I think. Um, let's uh, let's talk about this this I don't know this cloud that's hanging over us, this global pandemic. If I remember right, in my research, did you start as a police chief in 2018? Is that right? Yes, sir. That's correct. All right. So you've seen this before the pandemic and during the pandemic. What have you seen change uh, in the community uh, because of maybe stressors from the pandemic? So I think COVID has hit everybody to some certain extent in all different ways. And what I mean by that is, I mean, I have two young girls, just like a, a number of people do where their kids were, I say, kicked out of school, um, their spouses who are working from home, and you're trying to juggle all these things. And it turned a lot of worlds upside down. And what I'm also seeing is that there's a lot of mental health related concerns with this. There's emotional tiredness related to this, and everyone's experiencing something at a different space and at a different place. And so I talked to my staff, hey, we need to offer grace and patience to our community and to those within our department, because maybe they need a little extra time off because their child's daycare has been shut down, or maybe their spouse was laid off from work and they're having financial challenges or maybe they have a loved one who is sick because of COVID. Everyone is experiencing this differently. And I think we would be much better off if we provided uh, patience and grace to a number of uh, different ways that we uh, interact with people, interact with our own staff. One of the things that we did this year as a result of that is we instituted an embedded mental health clinician. So when our police officers go out to a call for service that might be mental health related, 
The officer will go and just make sure that the scene is safe for a mental health clinician. And then they pretty much, they step away. And the mental health clinician, who's the expert in the space and providing the resources right there while that person's in crisis, can engage with them and make sure that they get the help that they need. And so I'm really excited about this collaboration that we did with the university. And I think it is extremely beneficial um, for our students, faculty, and staff. I'm, I'm happy to hear, I mean, can we call that police reform? Uh, you know, I'm happy to hear of maybe a different way of doing things. And that's something that's intriguing to me. Have you seen, can I, let me just ask you, Doreen, have you seen crime go up during the pandemic? Yeah, that's a really great question. Crime has gone up for the pandemic, specific to our campus community, maybe in ways that is not the same as a municipal organization. So let me provide you an example. I had a building proctor reach out to me and say, hey, chief, we don't need necessarily your police officers walking through the buildings. They're unoccupied. And I told the building proctor, it's actually them being unoccupied that's causing some of the crime. And what I mean by that is our university works almost like a neighborhood watch. People are on campus. Maybe I'm not going to take this laptop over here. I'm not going to take this bike or do something because you have all these eyes that are watching. Absent that, our property crime has gone up. So we've had more buildings broken into, we've had more thefts, we've had more office equipment stolen because it's absent that neighborhood watch is kind of how I describe it, is where our crime on campus truly went up. And so for us, it was an increase in property crime that went up during the pandemic. Interesting, that's not the crime I would have thought would go up. So that's interesting to hear that. I'm curious what your personal biggest challenge has maybe been um, in, a, in this leadership role because underneath you, I'm, my empathy for you with trying to keep your staff doing a very difficult job that is also supporting students which are going through a very difficult time uh, over the last almost two years now. Uh, what has been your largest leadership challenge, do you think? I think one of the biggest challenges I face here at the university, and I'm not sure really how to describe it, but I'll just say is how siloed the university is. So for example, if I want to speak to all the student organizations, it's challenging to do that. If I want to know who's teaching which classes or the faculty over here. And so a lot of the information I try and share is almost organically done. And I wish there was better ways that I could group my information and my education that goes out um, and not be such an organic way to share this message. And so it's almost the size of the university that creates my challenge and the siloness that has occurred here as a result. Does that make sense? Absolutely. <laughs> does it, not only does it make sense, but uh, you're not alone. Faculty, <laughs> faculty no. complain about this all the time, and and uh, yeah, it's crazy how it's it's very siloed. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, we can break down those walls a little bit. Um, you know, I, I read an article about uh, you when I was doing research that said you love your job. Is that? I mean, is that is that an accurate thing to say? And where does that love come from? You said even on bad days, you love it. Um, I do love my job. I show up every day like it's my first day that I wanna make sure I'm putting my best foot forward. And at the end of the night, although I don't always have the best days, I reflect and think, what could I have done better? Or I snapped a little bit at this person. I shouldn't have done that and I need to apologize. Or I didn't handle this so well. 
Um, but I truly love my job. That definitely doesn't mean I love every day that coincides with it. Um, but I'm so happy to be here and to just know that maybe I have a small ripple effect of making this community better, making the police department better, making our profession nationally better. I will sign up to do that every day. I can see why they hired you. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> you're, you're a walking spokesperson for any students listening that are thinking about getting into this field. And I'll ask you, what what is your advice for those students that are con considering law enforcement justice uh, and how to get in and what they should be thinking about? Uh, you know, anything you want to add to that? I truly think being a police officer is the best job in the world if you do it with integrity. I believe if you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself and you have a servant mind and a servant heart and you truly wanna help our vulnerable populations, you should do this because it won't feel like a job, it'll feel like a calling. And hopefully 23 years into it, which is what I'm at, you'll still wanna sign up for it every day, even on the bad days. And so to students that are listening that may be thinking about coming into the policing profession, I would ask them to reach out. And then we have student employment opportunities. There's police department that have police cadet opportunities. What a great way to figure out, is this for me? Is this something I wanna do before you invest all this time and money into something and say, gosh, that really, that really wasn't for me. I would look into different criminal justice classes that the university offers. And we also do ride-alongs. Come out and ride with one of our police officers and our staff and see what we do every day. I'm wondering if the panel coming up that you'll be on on November 5th, is that, can you tell us a little bit about that? And is that a good forum for people to come learn more? Sure, yes. I'm really excited about that panel. It's gonna consist of the district attorney, Mike Doherty, the chief of police for Boulder, Maris Herald, and myself. Uh, we're going to go through and answer questions that maybe they have uh, to talk about police reform, the policing profession, where does it need to go, what's the challenges associated with it. And so I would encourage anyone who's interested in this profession or even wants to ask us questions that they might not know the answers to, to reach out and attend that because you have, you know, three of the top law enforcement executives within Boulder County um, they're providing their own unique perspectives, background, and education, and where they think the needle needs to move and how they can contribute to making a positive difference. Wonderful. And it's going to be, I'm reading through my notes, it's going to be moderated by one of our former podcast guests, Charles Guilford, the third, uh, wonderful, he was a wonderful guest. And you can, this is all free, and you can find that at colorado.edu uh, forward slash lead forward slash events. And we'll put that in the show notes. Perfect. Thank you. And if I can add, now that I'm reflecting, one of the challenges I have as well is I have a number of students that I have spoken with and I say, oh, you should have reached out. And they say, chief, I didn't think I could email or I didn't know I could email the police department. And it's almost a, an intimidation factor. And so if I could break down any of those barriers and say, you can reach out to me anytime you want to, you can reach out to anyone in my police department anytime you want to. That is what we are here for, to answer questions and be a resource to all of you. Um, I would try and work on ways that I could break down those barriers as well so people don't feel like they cannot approach an officer or to ask certain questions. 
And that includes you. Can I can I send you an email, Doreen? You can. And All I right. can tell you in three years, Ron, every person that has sent me an email has received a response outside maybe a vendor <laughs> that is trying to sell me something. Every <laughs> student that has requested an interview, every question I have addressed, answered everyone. Outstanding. Well, only because you said that, I think I will be the next person to send you an email. I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, why not have we're going to try to change this culture and break down some of the barriers. Why not some of us faculty have uh, some of the law enforcement come in and speak in classes? It doesn't have to necessarily be about law enforcement. I think it could be about a uh, myriad of topics. So I love that idea. Watch out for my email. Yes. No, I think that, I think that's great. And to your point, um, you know, after the killing of George Floyd, I would be at home or watching the news and, nine news or seven news would say, let's speak to an expert. And they would pull up a CU Boulder professor. And I would sit there and be like, that person works here. I didn't know that. And I reached out to hundred percent. I read the CU Boulder today's every day. I would see what professor was talking about policing. And I reached out to hundred percent and 100% of everyone I reached out to reached out back. And that was one of the things I offered them. Number one, is there a way that we can collaborate and partner? Number two, I apologize. I didn't know that you taught on this campus and what your level of expertise was. And number three, at any point you have a student that has questions about our police department or any others, and you would like me to come into your class and ask and answer any questions you may have, it's an open invitation. It doesn't matter if it's the English department, music department, math department, whichever. If you have a student that's asking questions and you think we need to have a relevant topic on policing, I would be more than happy and very grateful to come. I think we need, we need more of that, right? Uh, so I, I'm, I'm so grateful that you offer that up. Let's go to our signature last question if you're if you're up for it. So, you know, we've talked a lot about leadership and, and what do you see on the frontier of leadership? Is there anything out there that's cutting edge or or maybe something, maybe something that's old that maybe we we need to do better at? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I think any effective communication starts with listening. So that's number one what I think we should be doing better is actually listening. Um, secondly, I will be the first to say the policing profession needs to improve and you have a chief here that would love to hear the suggestions and would love to work towards improvement and making it better for all. Um, I think we should be using more data and crime science when it talks to, uh, looking at policing and where you allocate your police staff and your police resources. Um, I think in the future, we'll be looking at maybe more drone technology as it relates to instead of maybe vehicle pursuits or anything where the use of drone technology can be. And first and foremost, uh, I think we need to have better training in our police academies. And so I see on the horizon, different classes for our new officers, because we want to set them up for success, um, better training and new curriculum when it comes to our police academy training. So I think there's a lot of, uh, exciting things um, here on the horizon that will keep uh, scratching up the service and moving this pendulum forward. Thanks for spending your valuable time with us this week. If you enjoyed today's topics, please leave us a review. This will help us reach new listeners who can benefit from these conversations. We'll see you next time.